Well, you know what? Now we can go out and go to the pub and go and have a bite to eat. Plenty to do. But we thought, shall we have a podcast? Has anything happened since last time? All this time off. All, no football. Little bit of stuff on telly with no uh, crowds and everything. So, well, yeah, we'll see if there's anything cut off. So, it's me, Phil Tooley, Paul Fisher, Stuart Basson. And um, is, it the, is it the chairman, the owner of the club? Um, well, it's ceremonial position. Got company secretary, Ash, um, Peter Whiteley joined us as well from his uh, his ivory tower somewhere <laughs> over there in, uh, um, in in Chesterfield land. So, uh, fellas, well, I'm sure we've probably got a few more miles on our face than the last time we spoke. Uh, we'll start with you, Stuart, because I know you're uh, probably um, the most delighted of all. You know, you're the 110% <laughs> of delight uh, <laughs> because of your known differences with previous regimes. So, you've got your Chesterfield t-shirt on today. How happy are you? Oh. I'm I'm deliriously happy. I'm yeah yeah yeah. It it it, it is very good, isn't it? To, you know, to have something that you can sort of well trust, I suppose. You know, with a small T and a capital T again. You know, it um, it's curious, isn't it? That when you think of all of the or some of the characters that we've had in and out of that football club over the last seven years, it's only now that we've started wearing masks you know <laughs> uh, but um no no it, it it it's 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 delightful to have it done and over the line um i uh, you know i'm fully behind the, the 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 new venture of course um and i've no doubt that it'll be a success it'll be a different kind of success i think because you know it'll have to be built on firm foundations and and you know there won't be any instant fixes or anything like that you know um but i think after the last sort of six or seven years we've had i, I don't think people necessarily want someone coming in saying oh we're going to championship in five years time or you know we're going to get three successive promotions or any of these absolute rubbish things that people come out with because I think it's what supporters want to hear. I think now supporters just want to hear that they're, they're going to be a tight ship run properly, you know, and it isn't going to sink or anything like that because it, it, it's got unsuitable people in charge of it, you know. And that tight ship element, Paul, you know, it, it really is a question of we've had the person in charge who's got the capabilities of throwing lots of money at something. And for a few years, that looked as though it might have been working. But the underlying problem then was the recognition or the lack of recognition that you're going to unearth, unearth gems every season and sell them at a profit every season. That just comes and goes every now and again, doesn't it? So it is all about uh, Y equals X, income equals expenditure. Um, like we've talked about with other clubs, Rochdale, Accrington, whoever it may be, Walsall, a champion of the cause. And, and it, it can be done, of course, can't it? Oh, definitely. <laughs> it has to be sustainable, doesn't it, really? And and whilst throwing money at it is, is sometimes a short-term matter, isn't it, that's happened when, when Dave Allen came into the club. I mean, it, it was all going so swimmingly in the front office, but the back office, you know, we're thinking, well, I can't really afford this, you know, losing money, uh, losing money every year. Uh, Every season, it was, it was plainly obvious that this was never going to going to work. And unfortunately, the situation that Chesterfield are in now is a consequence of that. But 
one thing is you can start from the bottom and look to build up again. You know, the, the, everything's been stripped back. So you can start again and start to build on something that's, that's going to, I'm really excited about this because there's not going to be any bombastic platitudes coming out with uh, mm. just rubbish that Stuart said as well. Just, uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not going to be best. like that. Not, not you, <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, from, from, from meetings before, it's just not going to be, uh, they're going to do this. He's going to be great. Um, he calls a spade a shovel and all that. Like, so um, it, it's not, it's not going to be like that. And, you know, it, it, people will have to be realistic granted, um, you know, about this situation. But the fact is now that it's only the club at heart that cares. We can't go out spending big loads of money. It's going to be a, a realistic term. And again, it's something that I'm looking forward to. And, and from a, a- Somebody who was involved in the CFSS um, days way back in 2001 and had close looks at other clubs as well. When when supporter organisations, you know, the, the community trust is, is different to what's gone on before. It's, it's unique. It's the first of its type. But invariably, supporter organisations have taken clubs over in a financial crisis. Now, with Dave Allen clearing the debts, and now the only debt left at the moment is a million pounds to a couple of councils over 15 years, which equates, uh, well, normally about seven grand a month or whatever. It's not huge sums that will be going out uh, month after month. It's in a manageable position. And the crisis is on the park because Chesterfield for the last three years have finished in the lowest position in the pyramid that they've ever done. Three years on the trot. You normally keep the belt when you've done that, don't you? <laughs> uh, uh, and it's, it's bringing those two areas together. And that was one of the questions I... Uh, I asked of Mike Goodwin at the at the press conference, and quite rightly, you know, he was uh, being very very careful with with what he said. But it's it's that Pete, isn't it? That's the the the, the, t- the conundrum, isn't it? It's the balancing the park with the pounds. Yes, but the we, we all know that the model on Whittington Moor without debt is something that's achievable. That you know, the the, the that stadium uh, and the community that we've got behind it and the potential number of fans coming through the gate means that you ought to be able to make a success. That's what need, that's, that needs to happen. All right, we've got a side issue with COVID, but you would hope that with the right management and without, you know, the ambition really getting in the way, that you can run a stable ship there and uh, get everything back into order. And it might be slow progress, but you can make progress on the crowds, on the budgets, that would be available to this club. And in terms of, I mean, none of us know when we're going to kick off again. We all think it's going to be October the 3rd, but who the hell knows? And who knows how many people will be allowed in the stadium on, on that, that first day. But I suspect, Pete, over the summertime, you and yours have been looking at, at, at what a match day experience could look like on October the 3rd or October the 10th or whatever the first uh, uh, match might be. And I'm sure, like many modellers, you've modelled several different things. I mean, Wrexham put something out yesterday that made it look as though they were working on 3,200, 3,300, something like that. Their capacity is not entirely dissimilar to the Technique Stadium. So, no doubt, you and yours, Pete, have been doing modelling of, like, uh, of, of those sort of things to work out how you address them. Oh, is Pete frozen up? 
I think Pete's frozen up, look. He's not, he's, he's not moving at all, is he? He's either very good at not moving. <laughs> oh, but, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll still look at that. Yeah. And it is, it's all about mobbing, Stuart, isn't it, really? Mm. Because you now what you, you know, you're in a situation with your uh, Monday to Friday work, as it were, about how to get people safely into a theatre. And there's a lot of similarities, mm. slightly different venues, all hmm. inside, of course, in theatres. But, yeah, but you'll have seen the amount of work that goes into that to make those sort hmm. of things happen. There is a colossal amount of it. You know, I mean, we were doing it um, seriously and full-time a month before we were able to reopen, you know. Now, of course, we have a council sort of bureaucracy to, to accommodate in all of that. Um, but nevertheless, it must be done properly. Um, and I... I've absolute faith in 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 the trust's ability to do that. You know, they've been able to reopen um, their East Stand activities, haven't they? Without mm. anybody, you know, so far uh, being compromised by it or anything elsewise. So um, I, I, I'm absolutely confident that they'll be um, giving it their best attention and. That, that you know everything they possibly can do to get people back in and enjoying football will be done you know as soon as we possibly can but i'm sure paul if if it have compromised any business plans i'm sure they they'd have been reluctant to sign on the bottom line yeah oh, mo- most definitely i think it would have been uh, um well yeah you you wouldn't have gone forward with it with you at all so i think that uh, any any sort of business plan that's been submitted um, will be uh, adhered to, or we hope to be adhered mm. to from the from the trust. Um, you, you think that they yeah. uh, they they uh, hope to do that. So uh, so yeah. Well, the last four months of the takeover process went ahead under COVID nineteen restrictions, didn't it? Really. Mm. So you know, I'm sure they didn't just sit there for four months thinking, "Oh, what are we going to do?" You know. Well, they're actually not. properly planning it, you know. Otherwise, as you say, they wouldn't have gone ahead with it. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a credit that they actually got this done. You know, whilst this is going on, isn't it? So mm. you know, for them to to negotiate with. So um, so no, no, no. It's uh, yeah, it's very good. Well, while yeah, Pete's just sort of dropped out of the feed at the moment. Let's just talk about you know. As I say, I was sitting at the press conference the other day, and there was the the screens up with the key principles of the. It wasn't the Community Trust, Trust, it was the Chesterfield Football Club owned by the Community Trust, so it's terrific to see that. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was used football uh, for, for, to make a positive difference to lives was the first key principle. Uh, and secondly, it was partnerships with, with commerce and communities and community organisation. Thirdly, learning, training, employment uh, uh, pathways and accountability. Uh, fourthly, it was heritage and going on to play to high as higher level as possible, and finally the transparency and the accountability issues that have, have been sadly lacking for uh, for a while. And we could have sat here and invented uh, uh, idealistic things to say, and I don't think it would have been too much different to that pull-up mm. banner that was there. Well, the interesting thing is in all of that um, that. Normally, you go to a press conference at a football club with a new set of owners or something like that, and it's all about what we're going to do on the pitch, isn't it? Mm, you know, we're yeah. going to do this and do that and everything. And the only thing in all those objectives was to play at the highest level possible, mm, you know, yeah. which is obvious and realistic, 
you know um yeah. and all the rest of it is to do with trying to make the club um part of its community you know which if and you John Pemberton John Pemberton Paul wasn't mentioned until about 15 <laughs> minutes inside uh, inside the press conference which says so much about the community trust and what it mm. what it aims to do and and, and it's it, it's refreshing to me in the absenteeism of questions about John Pemberton, I, I thought, yeah, you know, again, I brought up that question saying, well, well, we do need to talk about football a little bit. And it was <laughs> revealed that uh, 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 whilst nothing had been signed, it was almost likely to uh, uh, to come sooner rather than later. But in John mm. Pemberton, we, we seem to have got a man, Paul, who, uh, who, who seems to get it and get the fans as well. Yeah, we, we've sort of bought in with that before when we thought with with Jack Lester, who was probably the right man, but at the wrong time, wasn't he? You know, uh, mm. going forward. It's, um, yeah, John Pemberton has done a wonderful job since he came into uh, uh, Chesterfield for the second time, really, I think, uh, as a as manager in, in January. He's turned around the form, didn't he? And in actual fact, it's just a bit of a shame in actual fact that the season came to a dramatic close when we're looking to push on and, and move away from that. But uh, no, I think the, uh, the, the benefit of, uh, of, of this is that John Pemberton is still kept in, in sort of round the sort of circle. He's not thought, you know, I've had enough of this, I'm off, mm-hmm. you know, type of scenario. He at least wanted to remain with the club. And I, I think, you know, he, he's going to more than likely get rewarded by that, by getting the job on a on a permanent basis. So um, yeah. no, it's good to see. And you, you're right; he, he does seem to he does seem to see this as a project himself and want to go forward with that. Mm. And Pete's uh, rejoined us, I think. Yes, let's have an audio check, Pete. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> marvelous. Right, so we've just, we've just yeah, yeah you've hit one with a hammer, which is always good. <laughs> Uh, we've been talking about the key principles of the football club and the community trust ownership, and then moving into uh, to John Pemberton, who of course has been furloughed for a while. But I, I suspect he'll be unfurloughed sooner rather than later to start getting the football side together and working out pre-season activities and everything along those lines. Pete, yes, certainly. But although he's, he's been on furlough, you do have to keep in touch with your staff, and um, he's been kept in touch with and has expressed his views on what he's looking for. Uh, he's, he's been told what he's got to to, to back up what he's looking for, and he, he expects to be making some signings fairly soon. Well, he needs to, otherwise it's the private side versus private side, isn't it? With ten players, on, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the book, but but my view with the the, the whole COVID nineteen thing is that it, it'll bring, and of course it's just my view. I'm not saying it's right. It'll bring some realism and pragmatism into a lot of clubs who realise that they haven't got a bottomless pit of money, realise they probably operated with too big a budget, realise they probably had too many players on. So I think there'll be quite a few players struggling to get uh, um, jobs. And I think Chesterfield will be seen as an attractive place to come, particularly with that key principle of, of, of making it a great place to, to work. And uh, I, I think it could potentially at the circumstance at the club, at the point that the club are in at the moment, I think it could work in our favour, Pete. Well, I, I hope that players will be realistic. I mean, we, we, we seem to have a reputation in the past for, for paying fairly decent wages, uh, well, well above perhaps our status at times. Mm. And, and players would hold out for them, I think, um, looking at who the owner is and, and his resources. Now they're looking at um, 
well, it's a charity. We've got very few funds. We know what we've got. We know what we can spend. If you're coming and saying, I want X amount and we can pay you half that, it's, it's, there's no negotiation, basically. But there are plenty of players out there that will play for, will play for half what we're paying some of our players uh, mm. and think they've got a good deal. So you hope that that realism that, um, that the trust is bringing to the club, hopefully, will be also seen among players who want to join us. Yes, uh, I, I, and I'm sure that'll be the uh, uh, the case. And we, we started talking about the match day experience. Being, and I certainly know that the Trust have got a few views on uh, how they can make the match day experience better. And I'm sure that they'll be looking at, um, at ways of bringing more volunteers in to help that match day experience get, get better as, as well. You know, you and I were talking the other day about the games makers at the Olympics and, and what a positive uh, um, impact they made in, in that sporting arena. But, you know, it, it, it really is to get people back on board. Long term, you, you've got to produce the football, of course. But short and medium term, it's about the experience and, and trying to make that much more positive. And I'm sure that's uppermost in yours and, and, and your colleagues' minds, Pete. Well, we, we want people to feel that they're part of this and being part of it. It's coming along on dog, I think, in the background, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but no, being, being part of it isn't just about turning up and buying your season ticket or buying your ticket on the day. Sometimes it is coming along and giving something. You know, um, you know I'm a volunteer. You, you could argue that my predecessor, who was in a very different position because he wasn't a company secretary, he was effectively a, a chief executive officer mm. in, in all but name because he, he, he was the bloke with the power on behalf of the owner. I'm just the bloke that does a bit of paperwork now, but I'm a volunteer. All the mm. trustees are volunteers. Um, and, what you know, there will be a position that people can come in and give something back to the club that they love. And uh, we will encourage that. We, we won't be turning people away. And there's a lot that can be done around the stadium on match days, uh, and on, on non-match days where people can make a difference to us and some of that will be involving current volunteers and people coming off projects and uh, expanding our education schemes there's a lot that can be done to get people involved in all sorts of ways and I think some of the communities I know you know, I was involved with the, uh, the, the, the quizzes during uh, during the lockdown period you know there's clearly the the desire for people to want to be part of that community and, and, and Stuart I know you've been sitting on the outside for personal reasons for a while and, and you'll be desperate to get back into the community won't you? Well yeah you know you do you do just want to get involved you develop an affinity for the for the club and the place and you know and, and for a lot of the people around it um and you do just want to get back and get involved in it you know I can't wait for the for the season to start just mm. just for that reason you know and, and and paul as well it is vital that they get i don't think they've got too much hard work to do with john pemberton but to get everybody who's an employee whether a player a physio or a ticket seller with that mindset isn't it because without that mindset of this is our community and it's not just the football community it's the wider mm. chesterfield and northeast derbyshire and Bolsover and everywhere else uh, everybody's got to have that same mindset haven't they 
Yeah, they have. They've got to be working for one one goal, and that's the the football club to benefit. You know, from 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 that at the end of the, the end of the day. So, I mean, the Technique Stadium itself now it seems a bit weird saying that at the minute, but uh, I'm sure that'll change after after nine years, isn't it? Saying the pro act, but yeah, the Technique Stadium is is a a selling point in itself to players, as we were mentioning before uh, with with Pete. So. You know, for the the volunteers to help out the players, um, just to get involved with the with the football club, make it the one club in in the in the town. I'm sure Stavely would disagree, but uh, you know, there's uh, get them get focused on on the football club. Everything about the um, the town should be basically focused on on the football club as well, because it's it's the biggest draw in the town, isn't it? You know, I'd love to say that about rugby or hockey or or whatever, but but it's not. It, you know, four thousand people you know, give or take, you know, are going to Chesterfield every other week to what, you know, the technique saving to watch, watch a match. So obviously it's a, it's a big draw. We need more of those people going as well. And more fans turning up to, to the ground as well. Post COVID, of course. Hmm. And, and Pete, of course, one of the aims will be to have lots and lots and lots of things going off physically around the stadium, uh, uh, seven days a, a, a week, because it's all about making that, physical piece of geography of the town something that gives positive uh, memories for people and positive um, uh, inspiration and of course Camp Inspire that's going off at the moment has been absolutely phenomenal in exactly that sort of way hasn't it Yes I mean it does show what can be done because that that was done at very short notice Uh, it was realised we do a lot of work with with, um, uh, send children and, 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 and children who have additional needs around education. Uh, we do a lot with pan disability. And it was realised that some of these kids hadn't been near other kids for, for months. And certainly we were asking them to go back to school in, in another four weeks or so, having you know, hardly met a person, because some of them are vulnerable. So they hardly met a person in, in, in months, and you suddenly you know, go back to school and get on with it. And, and luckily, uh, our, our staff have been able to devise this programme where you can bring them in, along with, 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 with some able-bodied children, along with a lot of volunteers. I mean, half the people working on this are there as volunteers. But actually make a difference uh, for, for children of all ages, up to 17. Uh, and and we've, been, we've had some support from, from, from local authority funding. Some of the parents are paying themselves. And, and luckily, quite a few people have supported us with, with donations. Uh, including some of them around this uh, virtual table at the moment. So we're very grateful for those people. And it is making a difference uh, to a lot of people's lives. And the comments that have come back from participants are just where you want to be at, aren't they? They, they, they are. It's, it, it, it's, you know, they, these, some of these children we, we work with regularly. We, we've got a waiting list now. We, we can take around about 100 kids each day in bubbles, spread all around the stadium. Uh, and uh, we, 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 can't, we, we, we could probably do another three or four bubbles of kids that we just can't fit in. And, and you know, some of these are funded. Um, we've actually got more than, you know, are funded, which is why we've been asking people to help us out. But we don't want to turn anybody away. And if we could get more... Well, Pete was cut off in his uh, prime then because apparently a little buzzer went and said none of us have washed our hands for the uh, required 27.3 minutes of a podcast. So we all had to go and, uh, and, and get some stuff out and sing happy birthday whilst we, uh, we washed our hands. So we're all clean again now. So uh, 
Pete, Pete, you were just sort of uh, finishing off really about uh, um, about the volunteer side and everything along those lines. And I I'm sure you, along with many others, have seen on social media the amount of people saying, well, put me down, put me down, put me down. And it must be pretty heartwarming. Yes, I mean, you know, for a long while we've had the not anymore type people and the, the people who were, uh, have, have been actively avoiding and some who have been you know, possibly driven away. Um, and you wonder sometimes whether those people will re-engage. I, I remember a friend who, who wouldn't come until Duncan had gone, and he's never been since. You know, but, you know, so, so some of them think, do they get out of the habit? That's what you don't want to happen. But, but there's a fair, fair, fair majority there, I think, that haven't got out of the habit, but still been watching from afar uh, and will want to come back. And we're desperate to have those people involved because um, um, you can understand why some people chose not to come, uh, whether everybody agrees with, with that stance. We want as many people involved as possible and uh, throughout the community because that's what it's about. Mm. And uh, yeah, when, when, when the trust appoint Bob Geldof on the... Uh... The, the direct board of directors you'll know you'll know what they're after <laughs> let's, let's talk about let's talk about football a little bit because we've we've not really talked a great deal about football at all have we uh, um altrincham wheelston kings lynn weymouth we don't know if it's going to be stevenage or macclesfield they're still arguing about that let's assume it's stevenage and of course you know we know the teams that have uh, disappeared upwards barrow and and, and Harrogate, I don't think we can argue that they were the two best sides from a football point of view. And, and Harrogate was cer certainly the best combination of football and knowing how to play the referee that, that I've seen. And well done to them. That's a compliment. That's not a, yeah. a negative. Yeah. Quite. And they've had the same manager for 11 years. So it looks as though they've got a plan. And uh, plans sometimes do come together. But uh, do you feel that the, the, the competition will be better, worse, stronger, weaker than it's been in the past, Paul? I think it will be of a bit of an even keel now that, as you mentioned, you alluded to before about COVID, how bringing clubs of a sort of who have been overspending just bring him down to a slightly uh, even keel. I think, I think it's going to be a hard-fought competition. I mean, I'd love Chesterfield to be up there. I mean, the great expectation is that they're not expected to be there, isn't it? So because mm. of the lack of lack of squad that uh, they've got at the moment, I mean, John Pemden's going to have to pull some some irons out of the John Duncan book of bringing people in for a couple of games or or for half a season or whatnot. It's going to be one of those scenarios, I think. But think back to the amount of times that Chesterfield have been in a situation where they haven't had a squad. You look back to that. Front of the program, 1983, was it or something? When uh, I think the, it was about eight players, and that's all they had, isn't it? So maybe we can go back to something similar like that. But how, what a wonderful job to go up as fourth division champions the very next season in 84 85. How John Pemberton would, would absolutely love that. Yeah, well, it's got the right name, first name in John, hasn't he, on, on, on that front? But, you know, uh, um, in, in that bunch of newcomers, Stuart, the Plenty of first-timers. We've not played Wheelston before, or Altrigham, or Weymouth, or Kings Lynn. So, uh, no. there's some, some first-timers. No, I think we played Kings Lynn in a friendly before. Oh, no, um, uh, 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 have we no um, it might be Boston. I'm not sure that we have. We have played down sort of Wisbeach Way and um, mm. places like that. Um, but, 
yeah, it, it it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, Altrincham and I think Weymouth and certainly Wealdstone are old Alliance Premier names, aren't they? So yeah, for them, it's a return to you know a pinnacle of sorts um, that they haven't been on for for some few seasons now, and it's good. Well, Altrincham are probably the most successful club at that level of the clubs that have never quite made the leap up into the football yeah. league. Yeah, yeah. certainly in cup competitions and I've got a little bit of a, a um, you know, I, I quite like Altrincham they're a side that I, uh, I've got you know, various links with at one time but I think uh, Pete Harrogate and Barrow showed you that you don't need fortunes on wages you just need to create that team spirit and have people that will run, run through a brick wall for the manager and I think both Harrogate and Barrow showed that that, that does make a massive difference and they both played football as well Yes, I mean, in a, di- in a different way, not necessarily playing the same kind of football. I look at Burnley since they came back from, from uh, the resumption because they've hardly got enough players to put out a team because of the issues they've got there. Obviously, there are, there are questions over Sean Dyche's future, but you know there's a spirit in that club and they put out virtually the same team and have done far better that that outlook than they did with uh, a bigger squad. And you almost feel like You've got 11 to 14 players. If they're the right 11 to 14 and they're working their watches off, then you can't go far wrong. You don't actually need 23, 24 who are just sat there uh, on the bench occasionally. And Stuart, you know, of course, most people could make a pretty good stab at naming Chesterfield's 24 championship team. Chesterfield's 81, 80, 81, nearly uh, into the championship. Anglo Scottish Cup winners, 85 championship. And that's mainly because players stay in the, the season in, in the team for most of the season because they're doing well and they're growing in confidence and they're growing as a team they do don't they um we uh, in a championship team in the 30s you know you 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 peel off sort of um uh middleton milburn kid people like that um ever presence and as you say uh, successful teams with very few team changes in it you know you, you you knew what you got at the start and you stuck with that you work with that and if you're a good enough manager you know it um it it comes good for you i i some of the people that we've had managing us in the recent past that have you know oh he's not turned out to be any good so we'll go and sign somebody else and that on an almost weekly basis you know with someone like martin allen it's absolutely the wrong way to go it just lumbers you with more cost you know and, and you just end up with as you say a pool of 24 25 players half of whom aren't playing every week no one wants them on loan so they're just stuck there just you know just <laughs> just sort of in in the corner going mouldy, aren't they? And, and getting no one anywhere. But hopefully it'll be leaner and fitter and more efficient now and better. And from a budgetary point of view, Pete, the 10 players that are signed on as Chesterfield players as we speak today, uh, there'll be six or seven of those who, if you signed him again today, wouldn't probably be on as much money. But there's, there's three or four of them who are on probably the, the right sort of level of money for the situation that we're at. Some of the younger players... Uh, probably, but it, it does give Pemberton a little bit of uh, wiggle room. I know he's looking like he's going to sign quite a few of the players who uh, were out of contract or people like Tyson who were on loan, but it gives him the opportunity, doesn't it, to to have a little bit of a, um, a, a, a go at getting the squad as a whole balanced. Yes, I mean, it's, it's about uh, signing those players at the, at the right money and uh, and as, as I mentioned before, you can't have people, you know, 
coming along that we're interested in and them saying, well, it's Chesterfield, they're a big club, they'll throw money around. They, they have mm. to realise now that we, we, you know, we want to be a big club, but at the moment we're a club that's trying to re-establish itself uh, financially and, and become stable. So they're not going to come in and get, you know, double the average for this division. They may be looking to get the average for this division, but um, we're still an attractive proposition because of, of, that, of that infrastructure and because of the history. Mm, very much so. You know, what what type of players would you like to see Paul coming into the uh, uh, the, the side? You, you, would you want John Pemberton to go shopping around the M25 in the National League, get the best players from the National League North, or get some people going a bit south from the Football League, or get youngsters on loan from from bigger clubs? What what what, what would you like to? Where would you like to see him fish? Well, he might want to um, look at. You know the clubs that have gone up; those that he, who the, who are just going to get released from their from their clubs. You know, who've had a sort of a championship promotion winning experience at national level, who, who've worked forward. You know, players from Barrow who won't quite fit into the football league structure. Players from Harrogate, for example, or also Rands from from those who don't want to. I mean, they might they might ask top dollar, but again, it's the. It's the club, Chesterfield Football Club, that draws the players in. They might just want to play at the ground. And the number of visiting teams that the, the squads have come onto the pitch, like they do a little walk around, don't they, before they start the game, you know, and, and whatnot, and have a look. And the amount of players that have, are filming it, it's filming round, and they can't believe that they're playing at this this ground as well. So it's, it's quite a draw. So I think he, he needs to be sort of looking at those, you know, entice the players. Look, we're on a... We're on a, a bit of a mission here. We want to get out of the National League. No, that's the that's the, the cause. We don't just want to be stable. I'm sure John Pemberton has mentioned that he just want to, doesn't want to be be stable. But from a financial point of view, that might have to be the case. But you know that every fan wants to go up, don't they? That's what what it'll be. And if you can get the right type of players in, that also brings the fans in, doesn't it? Because they want to see good football. Some some supporters just want to see good football. You know those that have have stuck with a club in recent times will put up with anything really that, that it, and I mean that in the greatest respect really for the past five years they've put up with absolute dross really that's happened the results at home you know and they've turned up in week in week out and seen it and it's been fantastic so they can get some players in that come in from um, from that I think they're going to get some younger players in to boost that but they've got to be sort of talented but the draw is the club itself I think so i you know, I think that that'll be. It's going to be an interesting time. We're going to, we might see quite a few changes really within the uh, within the starting eleven, though. The club is a draw. I think the challenge is a draw. Yeah, as yeah, well, true. You yeah, know, yeah. because mm-hmm. many of the sort of players who are going to get um, freed by recently promoted national league clubs um, could probably go to another national league, another middling sort of national league club and, you know, play honestly and earn an honest wage, but not really have to do very much to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. here there is a huge job to do and it's going to take people of the right kind of character to do that. I think that's Pemberton's biggest test above ability is finding people with the right character. And I still can't quite get my head around some of the moves that have already been made this summertime. Josh Granny, captain, Barrow, won in promotion to the Football League, joins Buxton. Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't have predicted <laughs> yeah. that, would you? No. You wouldn't have predicted that, and it's not the only one that uh, that is like that, because yeah, we're also dealing with a lot of players who may be pseudo full-time players, but maybe are doing your fitness coaching on the site, you know, personal trainers or something uh, uh, to fit in with a football, 
and when they do become absolute full-time footballers, it might not just suit their their particular yeah. Yeah. style or their geography or yeah, anything. Right. And we shouldn't uh, be afraid of, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of signing on players who have got an alternative way of earning a living or enhancing the living that they earn. Um, David Moss, Tom Curtis in the 84, in the 94 5 playoff team were yeah. part time professionals, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Brian. Uh, you know, yeah, well. exactly. Exactly. They played a huge part in our history before. And, you know, it all goes around in circles. Perhaps players like that will do that again. In, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously, Pete, you know, if, if, if there's stuff you can't talk about, don't expect you to. But in, in terms of the, the National League, I know formally now the takeover's gone, the National League direct, direct need to uh, rubber stamp everything. But I think there's been lots of conversations with the National League. Uh, and, and, and I think, you know, they seem to be quite on side with what's going on and, and I believe quite supportive. Yes, I mean, um, uh, we're, we're hoping it's, it, 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 there is an issue there. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's going to be an issue there. Uh, I'm not privy to, to all of it. Uh, but clearly, you don't get this far without talking to the right people. And I know the trustees have been doing that and have been taking advice all the way through. It, I mean, it, it, it really isn't a model that you really want to dis, dis, um, discourage, I think. Um, particularly at the level uh, we're playing at at the moment, and then hopefully at some point into the football league, to have um, a club that is community focused, that is a, is is you know c- compared to some of what's gone before, particularly recently with some mm-hmm. clubs having a bunch of fans who just happen to be from a charitable trust and are interested in doing good things in their community is a world away from some of the examples we've seen recently. And it, I think it'd be silly for any football authority to say, well, we'd rather have that big businessman from abroad who we know nothing about than local people wanting to make a difference. Well, yeah. that's my view. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm Why sure don't you get in that nice Mr. Dale at Berry? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure Wigan fans would uh, love it if their community trust took over just at the moment because uh, mm-hmm. you know, it looks as though there's nobody else that's really... Uh, it, in it's interesting. Pete was talking there about people who are motivated to do good in their own community. And because of the sort of recent history that we've had, um, people will look at uh, the, you know, the new, the new people in charge and say, what's in it for them? What's their angle? But Mm. you know, Mm. it it is perfectly possible that people just want to do good in their own community. Isn't it? Just the fact that we haven't been around anybody for years. Yes. Let's not, forget that this has only been possible because Dave Allen has been willing to write off a shed load of cash and you know uh, has he done the right thing it has now has he been Mm. doing the right thing for the last few years very questionable and probably made some decisions that that he'll regret with hindsight but the, the fact that he's written off and sorted out all historic uh, uh, debts leave meaning that the, the council loans are the only debt, and as we said earlier on, that's you know seven grand a month payment for a million pounds over fifteen years. We can all work it down on a calculator, can't we? Uh, um, but you know he does deserve, and I know Mike Goodwin at the press conference did allude to that. But you know he's taken a major hit, Pete, hasn't he? Well, um, the, the exact um, uh, background to, to to what Dave Allen's done. Uh, uh, is is really for for Dave Allen to to consider. Um, I, I, 
I don't think the trust has any issues with the the, the way that Dave Allen has, has um, worked with us, particularly over the last few months, uh, and, and again with Ashley Carson, who have, have, have basically taken the steps to support what we're doing once it seems to become apparent that we, we were the only immediate show in town. And I think at that point, uh, both um, Dave Allen and Ashley Carson have worked very hard to, to, to help us get this over the line. And so for, from, from the trust point of view, you'll find we've got no issues with them. Whether Dave Allen thinks this has been a good thing for him in the long run, uh, only he can comment on. <laughs> and I'm not, seeing, I'm, I'm not seeing anybody kick a tyre from the community just at all. Yeah. <laughs> He's brought it on himself, though, didn't he, really? I think, you could say that. I mean, he's, he's sort of, he went in, he, I'm, I'm sure he did it for the, for the right reasons, didn't he? But, you know, you could all think back, to the, they wouldn't have had a ground, uh, the technical scene wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the, the, the four million or so that uh, he mm. put into the club with a two million loan and whatnot. But, you know, he, he did sort of say, didn't he, that he was going to build this and, do that and in the end of the day he said he was going to sell, sell to the fans but he wasn't at one stage was he, he was going to yeah. sell to somebody else but it's all all been brought on himself I, I want to really have uh, you know what I'm going to pluck a figure out of the air can't you a, amount of sympathy for him but you know I'm, I'm, I'm so delighted it's with the fans now yeah. as the controller yeah. of 80 odd percent he would win every vote he the yeah. book had, did stop with him and didn't stop with anybody else no whether that's, no whether that's, and uh, the club was in the condition sorry yeah. the club whether, was in the condition it was in home to solihull moors on on a boxing day or or beating swindon at, at wembley town when the swindon town manager was wearing a scarf when it was 30 degrees outside you know <laughs> uh, uh, the, the the book stops with him and and some of the decisions that, that were made about appointments and the, the amount of latitude that people had to carry out their roles on a day-to-day basis. Um, yes. I don't think he'd be doing that in his casinos around the country. No. no I mean, how, which, which, sorry, which, which is mystifying, isn't it? That, that, you know, he has one set of businesses that are doing, you know, reasonably well by the look of the figures at Company's House. And he has this football club, which is a bottomless pit into which... By my estimation, he has sunk and lost something in the order of eighteen million pounds over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. If, you, certainly if you believe like everything that, that has yeah. been going in, <laughs> but, 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 but of course, he's not the first person to own a football club and do exactly the same as that. No, the history of the game is, you know. is as long as that. You know, it, it's yeah. as though people need to be seen to be doing the right thing within a a community, but sometimes it's just the simple decisions that need to be done right, not the really, really, really complicated ones. Like who's running it on a day-to-day basis for you, decisions like that. Yeah, absolutely right, absolutely Mm. right. And, uh, you know, well, I'm I'm sure the vast majority of spyrites out there will will, will give people the... the, the rub of the green for, for quite some considerable time, as they did in the CFSS days. And, of course, that mm. was uh, ended when ITV Digital went pop because that was going to pay all the debts off in, in those days. And they were, at the time, you know, I think end of 20 years ago, uh, chunks of money, £183,000 every now and again. It wasn't... Uh, mm. you know, it, it, it was big, big money for a club with precious little revenue other than a Saturday afternoon and the occasional Tuesday evening. So, uh, um, you know, at least now there's the potential for revenue on other days of the, the week coming yeah. in. And, and one of the things I'm absolutely sure the Trust all, uh, all, all do is do as much as they can to encourage youngsters 
to get Chesterfield in their blood early, early on. That doesn't mean to say they'll come mm. every week or, or whatever, but we all know um, lots and lots of people who started watching Chesterfield when they were youngsters. And we all know a few people who started watching Chesterfield when they were adults, like, like yourself, Stuart, through, through mm. geography, moving roles, changing jobs or whatever. Mm. Uh, but most, most of the supporters that go there on a Saturday afternoon started coming when they were at school or... Yeah. or or, or whatever, and they might drop out when they got no money, move to university, move job, skin, married, kids, whatever. But at the end of the day, they'll be in the queue for the tickets for Old Trafford. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and uh, yeah, where did all these fans come at Old Trafford? Well, they probably didn't come from any of there. They probably just ones who are have got Chesterfield at heart and just hadn't been for a while. And yeah, that yeah. was enough. Yeah. Come. And I would think children in that respect, Peter, right at the top of the agenda. Yes, I mean, it, it's, you know, the, the issue, of course, is COVID, because without COVID and a, a normal start to a season, you'd try and fill the place, even if it is just letting every school kid in just for the experience. Obviously, we don't know what the position is going to be on, on, on getting fans in, but certainly the Trust has been engaging with, with, with youngsters, uh, both through our conventional projects and through things like ticket offers uh, for a long time now. Uh, and um, I'm certain that will continue. Um, uh, yes, if, if you get the children, you get the families, you get the um, uh, the start of a lifetime, hopefully, uh, of being part of this club. And it is being part of the club. It's not just turning up on a Saturday and, and, and chucking a bit of money at it. It is, you know, we, we want the community and we want those kids to be part of what we're doing going forward. Yeah, well, we're, we might have to start first half tickets and second half tickets, you know, uh, <laughs> in the north stand, out the south stand, or whatever, and swap swap over a little bit like the old line line judges at Wimbledon or something, you know, <laughs> rotation going around, getting the maximum amount of people in. Yeah, you might only see half the game, but it's sixty percent of the, the ticket price. <laughs> <laughs> well, those those well, restricted viewing tickets at the theatre, yeah. like that type of yeah, thing. You yeah, you can only see half the match. <laughs> you're outside right. You you could have probably charged double for tickets where you could only see half the match over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the old joke that we it's free to get in, but you have to pay to get out. Job wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> at, 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 at that time, and mm. and Pete and Stewart as a as a combo and. You know, I'm no different than Paul isn't either. You know, it, it's it's so good when you see that enshrined in those key principles are about the heritage of the club because we we are where we are because of where we've been. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. uh, and how good does that feel, Stuart, initially? How good does that feel to see that in writing? Well, you know, someone who has made it his sort of hobby for all his adult life, really, to study football history in this club particularly. Um, it is it is really good, you know. You 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 think that Alderman Cropper has sort of stopped spinning in his grave now, which is which is fantastic. Um, and a hundred years since we had several um, local councillors on the board. You know, I, I, one of the things you hear in the build-up to the takeover was that there may be a similar sort of involvement in future. You know, and and and, and the club is is back in with the council again, and it was a council that started it. You know, with, with and, and and in future, out. in future volumes of any history, of course, you know, first to be owned by a council in 1990, yeah. first to be mm-hmm. taken over in the circumstances of the fans in 2001, and first yeah. to be owned by a charitable organisation. Yeah, yeah. Where others think to trend. What can we do next? So that heritage element, Pete, for, uh, 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 to bring into an educational element is, is I'm sure, 
you know, you were pushing for the inclusion of that in the key principles, but I'm sure you didn't have to push too hard. No, no, it's, it's interesting that uh, some of the preliminary meetings with the councils, particularly with the borough, uh, we took along the 1990-1920 Chester uh, uh, Municipal uh, uh, Midlands League Championship medal. Ah. And just Because people, you know, even councillors didn't know about that. You're going, by the way, 100 years ago, what was happening? Can you come back on board, basically? So you can use that history to get it across. Certainly, you talk to all the local councils, and there are connections to all of them, and we're still in that. But talking about pushing it forward, there are now plans that are, are, are being put together to have more of a heritage push around projects, around some of the things that I know you've been interested in, in, in Phil, in the past, uh, that, that Stuart's got uh, deep in his heart. And we were already working on that, and it's something that we'll be talking about uh, uh, in future weeks, certainly. But yes, it's a massive part because that the you know we want the the football club to be part of the town, part of the community. But the social history of Chesterfield for the last 150 years is part is is enshrined there in, in the history of Chesterfield Football Club. So um, you can use that uh, to engage, uh, and, and certainly that is our intention. And as Paul said earlier on, you know wherever in wherever else in Chesterfield. Uh, 3,000 plus 4,000 whatever people congregate on a regular on a regular basis it, it doesn't happen does it they might they might do that for an odd annual thing but they don't do it for a corporation a, 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 street at four o'clock on a Friday morning <laughs> 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 mm. Abs- absolutely right so uh, oh, okay well um, is there anything else that uh, anybody particularly wants to to, to bring to the um, to the table for a a discussion, Paul. Is there anything in particular that you, we're not discussed that you uh, you you want to talk about? No, it's only it's a direct question to Pete. That's all. But it's just a. Uh, oh, I've I've been asked, you know, just on behalf of my father. He says, "When are season tickets coming out?" That's what that's what he wanted to know. So I'm sure you have no the, idea. But yeah, the, the the question is about capacity, um, and it might be that the capacity is going to change through the season. So. My expectation, and I'm not the person working on this, but Terry Ward is the person that's working on it, is that you, you may well be uh, selling season tickets on the understanding that you'll sat where you're, you sit where you're sat, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah. You won't necessarily have a, a dedicated seat because if, if we can suddenly double the numbers, well, that happens. But what at the moment, what you do, you've got guidance that says it's somewhere between 18 and 32% of your stadium, but that's down to your seats and how they're measured. It's down to your concourse capacity. And it's, you know, trying to make sense of it is, is difficult. Uh, and, and I say, Terry Ward will be working on that and hopefully we'll come up with a figure that makes it, you know, uh, possible to get a reasonable number in there. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's possible with, with the goodwill that we, we could set a number and then find there are more people want season tickets than we can actually put in the ground. And that's, so, so you've even got to think about what you do then. You know, yeah. uh, you know, whether it is your, your, your first half or your second half season ticket, we'll see. You know. but, <laughs> and what, yeah. and what a, a brilliant thing, Pete, is the fact that, that Terry Ward, the man who designed the thing, is on the blooming board, isn't he? So that's, that's fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Mm. He'll be still himself in the Perspex screens in there, won't he now? God, why don't I ever think of Perspex screens? <laughs> but, but uh, of course, and the number of existing season tickets that there were at the end of last season, Pete, will be close on 
some of the lower numbers in that in that range of eighteen to thirty two percent anyway, won't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it certainly. We just don't know, and and yeah, then you don't know whether come come you know middle of winter there'll be a further outbreak. Whether come the spring they'll suddenly say actually you can double your numbers. It's that uncertainty that um, uh, it makes it that much more difficult actually starting to run a football club. But you know, I think the trustees know what they've brought into brought into, so um, uh, they're going to have to work with that. Anyway, Paul, you need to tell your dad that Alex, who was uh, somebody who entered the the Chesterfield FC quiz every Wednesday night for seventeen weeks, mm-hmm. uh, always asked Nick when away kits were coming, and he's not had an answer after seventeen weeks yet. So the quiz right. before that <laughs> uh, uh, comes up because Alex has been waiting for seventeen weeks for Wednesday right. away kit. Stuart, anything that you want to to have this opportunity to to ask about or talk about? Uh, No, no, I'm just um, happy to go along for the ride, you know, Um, and happy to feel as though I can uh, get involved again, that I can, when I'm sat in my seat in the West End, I can look over towards the director's area and... Hmm and feel that what I'm looking at is part of the same club that I want to be involved in, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And congratulations on your expert digging for some of the players who uh, appeared in the under-19s, and it was, it was a <laughs> under-19s game at Borough Victoria, the first live football I've seen since Dover. <laughs> and uh, and I, I sent a photograph. This is a good, good old-fashioned stuff, isn't it? You know, not that I suppose taking a photograph of a handwritten team sheet on a phone mm. is that old <laughs> Then emailing it from the middle of nowhere to Stuart to look out who somebody was that had been playing for Eastwood Town or something. But it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was great to see that and, and great to sort of get back yeah. into that pre-season vibe, I suppose, of you trying yeah. to work out who all of these people were. That's what it people. is. Uh, it, just... it, was a typi- it was a typical uh, Saltergate day pre-season friendly in that... Uh, okay. Uh, that uh, that Neil Cluxton, who'd looked after the team, had, had got his team sheet with one to eleven on, and I think the players were number thirty six, twenty nine. So I mean, it didn't bear. You know, I, I remember back in the day that they'd have number seven on the shirt, and number fourteen on the shorts. So you were never really quite sure who anybody was. I'm, I'm uh, sure there was a pre-season friendly where we had three number sevens on the pitch. Yeah, at the same yeah. Time, I, 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 and so I've seen, I've seen on the message board people sort of say, "Oh, was there anybody who stood out?" Yeah, there were, but I don't know who they were. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> the guy that, that was wearing number thirty six, but the team sheet was one to eleven. So I don't. Really know which one it was. So, uh, um, you know, such is life. But my, my um, area that I'm delighted to see in, in the key principles uh, is, is about making the, 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 the stadium in all elements, not just seats that face the pitch, uh, the most accessible. Uh, mm. And of course, Jane Cooper, who uh, uh, works for and, and runs with a colleague, Accessible Derbyshire, and going back. Those of us of a certain age who remember her fantastic campaign to get the swimming pool at Ashgate Cross School under Paul for Megan uh, headline all those years ago. One of the leading lights in changing places, toilets and everything is on on, on board. And uh, um, you know, I, I had a conversation with her the other day and she's really, really looking forward to, to hearing what restrictions there are. And one of those, of course, uh, uh, that I'm sure won't be a problem anymore is... It's for the, the, the partially sighted people. There is an opportunity for them to have a commentary loop 
but they used to have to pay 50 quid as a deposit for the equipment, so nobody ever used to use it. Don't mm. think that'll be the case now, Pete, will it? <laughs> no, I, I think that um, there are some things that were the norm that won't necessarily be so anymore. <laughs> mm. No, no, no. I, I, there's, th there's things that I could say that I'm not going to say about. Uh, huh. You'd be able to. You can deliver all that by Wi-Fi, of course. Now, quite easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, there's, well the, the, the fact is, with accessibility, you can do absolutely anything. Now, sometimes yeah. you're restricted by the amount of pound notes that you've got, but you don't have to spend pound notes for reasonable adjustment no. every time. And yeah, one of the things that with with my wife Sylvia using a, a wheelchair, one of the the things that that, that I'd like change is if you do treat yourself and go and have a meal and there's 10 of you and one of you is in a wheelchair when it comes to the match time that person can't sit with the others no. you know the, the comfy seats in the middle hasn't got the facility to facilitate um a wheelchair so yeah. uh, they say oh you, you know eight of you sit there and two of you go over there and and you know at that point that that um that whole that said from yeah. a wheelchair perspective there's, no, there's nowhere else in the National League or lower football league that's got anywhere near as good yeah. as the, the Technique Stadium. So, mm. you know, like, like you know, uh, the conversation with Jane was she'd been saying she'd been talking with, with the people at Chatsworth who were a little bit embarrassed about the offer that they've got for disabled visitors to Chatsworth, which, when you compare it with anywhere else, is far, far better. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's difficult to know what best practice is when you're it. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah the, the Technique Stadium is not far off best practice. Yeah. So it's mm. difficult to, uh, so unless somebody knocks on your door and says, this is a problem, you yeah. don't realize that it, it's, it's a problem. So, mm. uh, and, and it is one of the few areas that we've hand on heart been able to say has, has been best practice. So we'll leave, we'll leave the final opportunity to bring something to the table to you, Pete, who's probably been the busiest of us all over the last week or three. Uh, well, Obviously, we all think this is an enormous opportunity for the club and for the community. Uh, and uh, it does seem like there's a lot of goodwill out there. But the people involved and, you know, the, 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 the six who have become directors uh, and, and the other couple of trustees we've got there are, are all back in this and they're prepared to put the work in. I'm expecting that some of them will be uh, at the stadium every day to start with uh, as, as we try and build this. And there will be new staff coming in fairly soon into key positions. Uh, basically, you know, please keep supporting us. Keep supporting us, not just on the field, but what we're doing elsewhere. Because um, we, we, we want you, to, as, as fans and, and, and Chesterfield and North Yorkshire people, uh, to help us. But the whole idea is that the football club is going to help you and help this whole region. Well, having stuck my nose inside the stadium for the first time, if there are any experts in pigeon poo removal, <laughs> you yes. will be very welcome. <laughs> so, uh, uh, right, well, I think, we, I think we've heard everything that we want to uh, uh, say. I would think that as a statistic, proportionately, we've probably talked about football less than we've ever talked about football in any of our previous podcasts. But do you know what? Just at that moment in time, I don't think that matters. Because you can only create the right environment for football if you've got the right environment in the, in the organisation. And for the first time for a lot of years, I think there's a lot of people feel we've got the right organisation within the building. So we stand a chance on the park. That's how I see it. So, uh, well, on that, from uh, me, Phil, from Paul, from Stuart and from Pete, well, we'll uh, no doubt speak to you as soon as we do start kicking a, 
a football around a little bit more than we have done in in uh, um, recent times. Good luck to Pete and his uh, yes. uh, and the team that he works yeah, with. Uh, we're all there for you, mate. Certainly.